Welcome on into the two, three podcast. I am Cam. That is Zach recapping this Virginia loss. But before we get into that, Zach, I got to say a huge thank you for uh, covering me while I was ill. If you ever heard of the bubonic plague, it felt like I had that. All I had in reality was just a cold, but I sounded terrible. And I appreciate you, Zach, for filling in while I was down and out. Glad to have you back, Cam. It was weird to do it solo, so we're uh, definitely all excited to have you back. So welcome. <laughs> we got to talk about this uh, this rough Virginia loss. Going into it, kind of knew that it was going to be a rough one because Virginia has always had our number, but we had a furious comeback at one point at towards the end, trailed by as many as 23 points at one point. Zach, we went on a 13-0 run for five minutes. Yeah, you got to feel good about how we fought back into this one, really crawled our way back. And there was times like 10 minutes left, even like five minutes left where I was like, this one's out. Like there's no way, but they kept fighting and they were able to, you know, keep it pretty close there towards the end there. So you got to give him credit there for sure. We look like a totally different team when we went on that run and the, the notorious press worked once again. Yeah, I think everyone was a little excited seeing that press, you know, get put into action. And obviously against Virginia again, it was like, okay, this seems like we might be repeating history a little bit here. And in a way, we saw some glimpses of, you know, that the glorious press that, that changed everything, that Elite Eight game. But fortunately, it uh, fell short against Virginia. But um, it, was, it, was, it was so effective. And like I said, I think you definitely have to walk away this game feeling good about how we fought back. Given like how out of hand this game was at, at like at halftime and even to the second half, we were down by like 20 points and it was not looking pretty. Well, I mean, even from the get-go, something was off because Benny was out. It was kind of weird to see John Bull get his first career start out there. Um, and of all the people, Zach, of all the forwards, did it kind of surprise you that Jim went with John Bull? Kind of surprising. I mean, Jim did touch on this in the presser. He mentioned that like, you know, he does some good things. And I think it's also because he's, he's, uh, he's you know, the older guy. So I think that makes sense. He'd also just mentioned too that, like, he didn't want to tell Malik that he was starting in his, like, back when he was in his hometown with all of his family there. So I think that was part of it too. But overall, like, I mean, John Bull didn't do a lot. He only logged four minutes of follow and a turnover, which are not great stats. Hate to say those to our, about our guy, John Bull. But it was kind of cool to see him get his first career start. Speaking of Malik Brown, I mean, he was one of the two hometown boys, him and Justin Taylor, that absolutely showed out. Malik Brown had 10 points, eight rebounds, and two steals in 36 minutes. That's my favorite stat of all of it. He has gotten the playtime that I think that he rightfully deserves. Yeah, we've been back and forth on the forwards all year, and it just seems like whenever Malik Brown gets a good amount of minutes, and this is his season high, I'm sure. I I don't I don't think you even have to double check that. This is certainly season high, and he put out a stat line to remember. Yeah, he's looked so solid the past couple of games, and obviously the the forward position has been a turning style. But I think that when you look at consistency, it's been Malik Brown. I mean, there's been what two games, maybe that he hasn't played very well, and we've seen him be able to pick up the pace when he hasn't, but. He's showing his importance out there with the amount of time that he's been getting ever since the beginning of the season when he was just getting a couple minutes. He has been extremely efficient. Yeah, absolutely. 
Another cool thing is, you know, we mentioned this is their hometown, Justin Taylor Malik's hometown. And on social media, if you saw, I saw it. I didn't show this to you, Cam, but he had, Malik Brown had like, I kid you not, not one row, not two rows, but like five rows, six rows, an entire section just of Malik Brown fans. It was like really cool to see. He had quite the attendance of fans at the uh, at, at the stadium, which was really cool to see. Yeah, you love that. You love that he's able to get the family there, get the friends there. And I, I guarantee you that towards the end of the season, you're going to see Malik Brown in a role that's going to be very vital for this team. He already is in one, but you're going to see him in possibly a situation where he's getting more minutes than the starting forwards. He's been a vital asset to this team. And another vital asset to this team is the other guy that showed out. And that was Justin Taylor, who had seven points in 24 minutes. He looked very well. Yeah, no, he looked great. I mean, obviously, like maybe not the most perfect games, but, you know, like you said, two steals, had contributed well. And again, in front of his friends and family being back home. And um, Jim, Jim said this in his presser, but he mentioned, I think this is more about like next year when, you know, JG3 departs from the team. But it's definitely something very exciting, especially as we see him progress this year. But Jim said that JT will eventually play at the two, which is a very exciting prospect. That is a very exciting prospect. He's got the size and the shooting ability of a Buddy Beheim, which he's been compared to numerous times this year. The thing is, Zach, when you look at Buddy's performance freshman year, it's kind of like Justin Taylor's where he wasn't getting too many opportunities. He was shooting well, but he wasn't really dazzling at any point. I think it's going to take Justin Taylor probably the better part of a year to really get adjusted to everything. And he's in a really odd predicament right now where he's in the mix of that forward group and he's getting some playtime here, some playtime there, depending on how well he is able to perform in the five minutes he's able to get consistently per game. And when you see Justin Taylor down the line, I think the two position is probably the best for him. That being said, it does need to be when obviously JG3 departs. Yeah, I think that's the key there that JG3 has to depart. But like you perfectly broke down, it's it's going to be very exciting. I just think, especially imagine it just his size and length at the top of the zone. It's been a minute since we've had you know kind of like a bigger guard. Like think back to like Ty's battle or Frank Howard at the top of the top of the zone. I'm super and it, if. You know, fingers crossed. Judah's back next year. Judah and JT at the top of the zone. Whew. I'd be, I'd be uh, happy to see that. Yeah, that would be a really fun sort of sight up there, and you know, you get a lot of production out of that. But uh, moving on, just to keep recapping this game, we got to talk about Chris Bell. He actually had he had a pretty decent game. Eight points. He was two for two from three. He made some huge shots when we definitely needed them, and. And you want to see that confidence out of Chris. I think he's starting to kind of get into it a little bit over the past two or three games. You just like to see him actually being able to kind of do what he does best out there. Yeah, I think that's the key there. He's doing what he it does best, and that's shoot the ball. And he was two for two, three for three from from the field. So he he was hundred percent. He was hundred percent, which. If he wasn't 100%, I mean, you know, maybe give him one or two missed shots. But I think the key is he made all the shots. I mean, I do want to, you know, point out, unfortunately, he had zero rebounds again. But he did what he does best, and that was a, that was a good positive comp- contribution to the game. 
So I, I, at least, uh, so I think that's, that's the key there. Now, here's the thing we have talked about in the past that there's no real three threat outside of, of JG three. And if you look at Chris's performances, he's probably the most consistent outside threat after JG three. The problem is, is that he really can't be that he's got to be something else that he really isn't. And obviously that's a huge issue for this entire year. That's a huge issue for, for Chris's entire Syracuse career and going into this Jim thought he was going to be something else when in fact he isn't. And uh, look, Chris is a really talented player. I think that he is in just like all the other forwards. He's in a really odd predicament where he's a really good player at one thing, but we desperately need him to be something else that he probably isn't at this point. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess we'll see how it progresses and this is, this is always going to be the project for this. this it's been the project the entire season and I'm not sure I see, you know, a day where this is going to end the season. Hopefully it does, but it seems like the Ford project is going to be an ongoing thing that we experiment, we change, we tweak, we, we look at, we analyze, we talk about, and unfortunately, I think that's kind of the the motto of the season. And we're just going to keep talking about it. And hopefully, hopefully by, you know, by the time tourney time, tourney time comes around, we'll, we'll, we'll feel a little bit better about, you know, our forwards here. But midpoint of the season here, we're still talking about, still wondering about it. And I guess, I guess we'll take what we can get right now, though. Over the past couple of games, you have seen Judah Mintz and JG3 blossom into what we thought that they were going to be. And I think that they're blossoming at the perfect time. It seems like JG3 is really starting to break out of his funk that he had a little while ago. He had 19 points, three rebounds, two steals. Judah had 18, four, and three, four rebounds and three uh, assists. So they both are playing terrific. And they're playing at a time where we desperately need them to coming into ACC play, coming into the gauntlet that is the ACC schedule. I am so relieved that we are able to get this production out of the two of them consistently right now. Now, these guys have been leading the charge the last stretch here, all of ACC play. Certainly, they've been our, our go-to guys, and they're keeping it up, and no one's been able to stop them. So we definitely need them to keep this up, and they seem to be able to do that, which is key. Like you said, they're, they're providing cons- consistency for – you know, these last few games, this last stretch here, and it's it's really good to see that production from them. One thing I do want to point out, unfortunately for Judah, is, I mean, I think it comes down to style play, just being so aggressive, going going into the paint, trying to get to the rim all the time, which obviously you don't want to take that away from him. But if there's one thing he does need to clean up on, it's, it's his turnovers. This is the third game in a row where he has four turnovers, which is not a great margin, especially when you compare that to, you know, only three assists this game. Yeah, I was just about to ask you if if you were at all worried about that of those four turnovers. I mean, now you got Samir that's able to kind of clean up a little bit if he's if if Judah's able to, you know, he you've seen that a couple times where Judah has kind of switched the two and that seems to work a couple of times where it's able to cut down on the the turnovers, give JG3 a little bit of a break, but you've seen him switch to that two. I'm kind of liking that lineup when when Jim is putting that out there. So you have Sai come in, get five assists. So if you if you combine stat lines, 
that's eight assists for turnovers. That's that's a, that's a more decent. You you take that and all together, you know, that's for for the point guard position. That's a great stat line. So Sai again coming in doing his job and handling business. It's really good to see Sai get some decent minutes and come in. And there there are definitely times. It seems like every game, Judah and Joe just need need a bit of a break to reset and kind of reorient themselves, especially when they're struggling and turning over the ball. So again, as always, whenever we can, got to give a shout out to our guy, Cy. Are you surprised that given Virginia's historical low point defense, where it seems like we can barely crack 50 sometimes against them, are you a little bit surprised that JG3 and, and Judah were able to put up the performances that they did? Yeah, I mean, especially that first half, you know, I was like, I mean, they scored 35 in the first half. So I was like, okay, like this seems a little bit more because sometimes like we'd be lucky to score. Like it seems like 30 in the entire game, you know, against like a very good Virginia defense that we've seen in recent years. It's like you can't even like you can't even think about scoring any points. So it's good to see things like open up a little bit. And like this is like a pretty relatively normal paced game, it seemed like, especially in the in the second half when things started to open it up a little bit for the guys and that press started to do some good things for us. So yeah, it did kind of come as a surprise, especially if you just look at this end score here, like this compares to like, you know, a typical college basketball game, which is a little bit against, you know, Virginia's mantra there, but I'll take it. <laughs> Speaking of surprises, uh, the surprise mystery of Jesse Edwards this is definitely the biggest negative of the game. And I feel like if we had Jesse at his full potential, we definitely probably could have had a better chance at winning this. And I'm a little bit worried because you see that point total. He only had four points. He had four turnovers. He was still able to grab 10 boards. But if you look at Jesse's past performances against these really physical teams, we've talked about it time and time again, where He's just not able to perform at the level that you think he's going to. And, and that's a worry down the line. Yeah, it really is. And Jim's, Jim's worried too. He said that this is a mystery right now. He's not playing the way he was early in the year. And he's just, he was he's a different player now. So he Jim's confused too. It's this mystery. This is something we've been kind of looking at. But, you know, he's still like playing well, you know, relatively. Still getting double-double. Still like performing. I mean, he was still getting like pushed around and not playing like he was earlier. So we were noticing that too. But this is the first game where offensively he was limited to four points, which is a season low by like quite the margin. I think, I'm not sure what his next lowest, but certainly way more than four. So I don't know what's going on. I mean, it seems like physicality is a huge part of it, but also is he just having trouble, you know, it kind of feels like right at the t- the peak of his season, all this talks of like 20, 20 points, 20 boards was, was looming and best center in, in the, in the conference w- was looming. And just that pressure of, of being so good kind of like, was it too much? I mean, I don't know. This is a speculation. This is me asking a question, but something's going on with our guy, Jesse. And it's uh it's tough. It's tough. I'm not sure what's going on. And he is the missing piece to all of our losses, not all of our losses, but like a lot of our losses where we lost because Jesse didn't have a very good game or we lost because Jesse wasn't performing at the level that we thought that he was going to. And that's a good and bad thing. It's good because it's it shows how fantastic he is that he can almost put the team on his back and 
rebound for for the rest of the team. The problem is, is that when he's not producing at a high level, it obviously affects us very negatively. The good thing is, is that Munir has stepped up in his absence. He in this one, he got four blocks. He got six boards and 15 minutes of playtime. But as good as Munir is, Jesse, when he is firing on all cylinders, is terrific. And I I would I would take him over probably any center in college basketball right now. But I worry because there are just some games where when it's physical, he fouls a lot. He doesn't produce at the level that he needs to. His point totals will be low and he's not able to do the work that he needs to. And I worry that down the line when we play like a a Duke or honestly against Virginia Tech, when it's going to be a very physical team, that we're going to be kind of SOL here. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is like, unfortunately, this performance is is turning into not an anomaly. I mean, obviously, he has still been playing well, you know, double doubles the last few games here, you know, 10 points, 10 rebounds, roughly. But it's he, he is unfortunately compared to the start of the season on a downward trajectory, which is as worrisome. And it seems like like we've we've already touched on is the physicality and ACC is upon us and he's just really struggling to, to get to a spot and, and play his game the way he, he, he wants to. So I don't know what the answer is. I think Jim is a little frustrated with him based on the pressure and the comments he's made. So I, I, I really don't know what the solution is here. And it's, it's definitely worrisome. Like you said, going, moving forward here, they're all of ACC play, especially if you look up this next game against VT, who has some big, powerful guys that are going to go up against them. So I don't know what the answer is. And hopefully we can figure it out. Just to kind of put a bow on this, much respect to Tony Bennett. He becomes uh, Virginia's all-time winning coach with this win. Um, Zach and I have a lot of respect for, for Tony Bennett. And I know Zach, you in particular have a lot of respect for, for the class that he has. And, um, a couple of years ago when they won the national championship, it was good to see him, you know, get one and, and to, you know, see that team come out on top because he is a good guy. You know, he has a lot of respect from, from ACC fans in general, and he's always a, a class act. Yeah, Absolutely. So with this win, uh, Virginia is now 12 and six all time against us. Like we said, Virginia has had our number over these past couple of years. And even though we got that, uh, that big win against them in March Madness a couple of years ago, it was, I, I don't know. I still want to be able to beat them in the regular season. So next up down the road, Wednesday against Virginia Tech on the next episode You'll hear us preview that, and until you hear from us then, we will talk to you soon. Let's go, Cuse.